Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, man. Well, welcome to session number two. You're listening to session number two of the premarital sessions. This is Bishop Foreman, and uh, this session is called Knowing Your Other Half. We did session one, which covered dating. And the intro into the covenant, what the covenant of marriage is really all about. And now we're getting ready to do session two, which is talking about knowing your other half. Um, this is uh, going to be a great session for you. Uh, and let's pray and let's get right into it. Father, I thank you for those that are listening today. I pray, Father, that you would guide them, give them instruction, Father, as they are preparing, Father, they're seeking your counsel and your wisdom, God, on a very big decision they're getting ready to make in life, God, and that's the decision to spend the rest of their lives with another individual, God, and I pray. Father, that you would provide instructions, clear direction, clear vision, clear guidance as to what it is you would have for them to do. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Now, of course, uh, you'll want to have listened to this after you've listened to session one because they build upon one another. And, of course, you know, you can you give them around and, you know, that kind of deal. And one that be listening to one, one be listening to two and, and kind of do them in that. But you want to make sure that you always try to do your best to do them in order because they build line upon line, precept upon precept. And so if you skip from one to six, you'll be missing a whole bunch of information in there. Or one to five, you'll be missing one to four or one to whatever. You'll be missing information. So you want to make sure that you listen to these sessions in order. Amen. Let's get right into it. Uh, in a marriage, of course, you know now that two flesh are becoming one. And so now what you've got is you have got two different individuals that are coming together with two different backgrounds, two different life stories, two different ways of living, two different ways they grew up, two different financial backgrounds, two different spiritual backgrounds. And now you're saying, let's put our two different backgrounds together and let's make those backgrounds one. And it is extremely important that as you are in the stages of premarital counseling, that you clearly understand and know the person 
that you're going to consider marrying. Uh, it is extremely important that you know the person. And when I say no, I'm talking about no. You want to know their secrets. You want to know their deepest, darkest things. You want to know those kinds of things about an individual. And you say, well, Bishop, aren't those things that you only learn in the confines of marriage? Well, what I've learned is that many times uh, what you don't know before a marriage and what you don't know before you commit can hurt you. And uh, so it is extremely important. That's why up front I have you get the credit report. I also have you get the information concerning the, um, the sexually transmitted diseases and all that. Because you want to know this individual you're getting getting married to. I've watched TV programs where an individual will get married. You know, they, they, he swept me off my feet. You know, get married, and then you know, six months down the road, she'll find out he was a he was wanted by the FBI, and he was just getting with her for money, or whatever the case is. You want to know who it is that you're getting ready to spend your life with. Uh, and that's why you just don't casually enter into sexual relationships because you don't know people, and sex creates things and and uh, and so I, I want to I want to uh, I want to talk with you about that in the first part of our session today what sex does in a relationship and uh, what sex does is it creates <clears throat> a bond sex connects human beings on all three levels of our existence we are spirits that live in physical bodies that have a soul our soul is our mind thoughts will and emotions and that's what we are and when you have sex with an individual, you are creating an agreement with that individual or a covenant with that individual uh, in the spirit realm. And what ends up happening is that as you are creating that and as you are uh, proceeding with that, uh, if you're not literally married to that person, uh, you know, according to the laws of the land and by the blessing of a man or woman of God, if you are not married to that person, you can find yourself in, in a situation that you don't want to be in. And uh, and I want to take you to First Corinthians chapter number six, First Corinthians chapter number six, because this is important because I see a lot of Christians running and did this today, which is this this fornication and sex before marriage or an unhealthy sexual relationship once marriage happens and you don't want to do these things because you again want to know the person before you connect yourself see you're connecting physically that's the that's the sexual act but you're also connecting your mind your thoughts your will and your emotions with the person that's why you cannot be with the person uh, um, for years, but you can still, there'll still be a part of you that's connected to them because you have now connected your mind, your thoughts, your will, and your emotions to that person. That is the reason why you've probably heard the old adage that, uh, you know, uh, you'll never forget your first and those kinds of things. Well, here's the reason why. is because you created a spiritual covenant uh, um, through your sexual act. And when that happens, um, we connect on our mind, what thoughts, will, and emotions. We also connect our spirits, and so that's why you can you can be intimate with somebody that's that's crazy, and all of a sudden your spirit man is going through all these kind of crazy changes because you connected with that person. And if that person's got low self-esteem, you can find yourself having low self-esteem. If that person's got anger issues, you can find yourself dealing with anger issues. Why? Because you've connected to a person on all three levels of your existence see when you have sex you're opening yourself up that's why god said that sex is supposed to happen within the confines of a marriage covenant because you open yourself up 
to doing that. Uh, even oral sex and, and different forms of sex, you are still creating an agreement. In the spirit realm. Now, literally, when you have sex, the agreement is uh, is uh, the way that any covenant and talk about the marriage covenant is cut. Uh, uh, cutting a covenant just means to make a covenant. You cut a covenant through blood. That is the reason why when Christ came, he had to shed his blood for the renewed covenant, which would replace the previously existing covenants and bring those covenants to a greater understanding. He had to shed his blood and through the shedding of his blood, he created a covenant. That is the reason why in the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, that the high priest would, they would have to sacrifice animals and do those kinds of things because blood had to be shed because that's what the Lord requires is shed. And that's what the Lord requires for a covenant to be cut and a covenant to be made and through that the goal was that the the first person you had sex with was the person that you would marry um that was the goal the goal was that two virgins would marry and that through the process of them marrying um as they were the first people to have sex with each other um then they would create that covenant in the spirit realm in the spirit in the soul and in the physical body that's what the goal was. And of course, now we live in a society now where, you know, people are waiting later to get married in, in biblical days. People got married a little bit earlier than we do today. But that's because the culture is different. Society is different. And so <clears throat> in those times, that's what they would do. Uh, and in fact, uh, at the wedding ceremony and many times in the Hebrew wedding ceremonies, they'd have a tent out back. And that tent would be a place where they could go cut the marriage covenant. They could go make that covenant. And that covenant became official, so to speak, as far as two flesh becoming one through that act of sex. Now, uh, from that understanding, we understand that today we live in a society where sex is being introduced to our teens and our young people. And we've all been introduced to sex and many times you will come into a marriage situation where you're preparing to marry someone, but they're not going to be the first time that you've had sex. And so what happens is, as I want to take you, you should be there in first Corinthians chapter six, verse number 13, because before you can completely know the other half or the person you're planning to marry, the person you think that God would have you to marry before you can enter into a relationship with that person, you've got to make sure that you are a virgin. See, some people say, well, Bishop, why can't I find nobody? Why can't why can't I why can't I uh, uh, find nobody? How come I'm how come I can't find nobody? How come I can't find no man? How come I, because you already married and you've created all of these false marriages in the in and through the act of sex. And and it creates these false marriages. And so he can't find a wife uh, because you're somebody else's wife. Oh, that's deep. Did you get that? You can't be found if you belong to somebody else and you will belong to someone else. If you created a covenant in, in, in through the act of sex, if you created that kind of covenant, and let me say, because some people will take this teaching and they'll take it the wrong way and they'll say, well, since we've already had sex, then we're really already married. So we can keep having sex. That is not true. That is taking the word of God and perverting it. If you have made a mistake and you have fornicated with the person, get it under the blood. And I'm going to give you some steps real quick here um, so that you can become a renewed virgin. Uh, because understand that was the concept that God had when he originally created this was that two people, when they came together, they were each other's first. And we know that in today's society, you may not be each other's first, but you need to renew yourself spiritually so that 
spiritually you become a spiritual virgin and so you are available to be married some people can't get married because you married to four and five and six and seven and twelve and thirteen other people and that's why some people have a problem committing because they're committed to somebody else in the spirit realm because they created a false marriage Notice it is not a real marriage. It is a false marriage because, again, when blood is shed, that's why a woman, when she's a virgin and the hymen breaks to, uh, and all that happens through that, um, blood is shed. And when blood is shed and it is shed on the man's penis, when that happens, then a covenant is created. Now, I want to share this to you again. Now, uh, for those of you that are just listening to CD2, you didn't listen to CD1, these classes are going to be very open, very uncensored, and very direct because, I, again, God's people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And we've got to be knowledgeable about this word of God. So I want you to bear 1 Corinthians 6, verse number 13. Food for the stomach and the stomach for food, but God will destroy it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God both raised up the Lord uh, and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? So I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot certainly not so he's just saying our bodies before we are in a marriage covenant belong to god as a believer when you come into the knowledge of christ your body belongs to god that means your hands are god that means your sexual organs are god that means your breasts are god that means your feet are god everything is is god you are christ and so verse 15 is saying do you not know that our bodies are members of Christ? So I take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot. Certainly not. Verse 16. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? In other words, when you have sex with someone outside of the marriage covenant, you are fulfilling what the scripture says, but you're doing it in a false way. It says, for the two shall become one flesh. When you're becoming one flesh, the only problem is, is there's no marriage covenant to validate that. Does that make, does that make some sense? So you're creating a false marriage, a false covenant in your spirit, in your physical body, and in your soul. You're creating a false covenant. 17, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Before we are in a marriage covenant, our bodies are to be dedicated to the Lord. I am the Lord's. The Lord is mine. You're one in him. And through that, we've got to understand, verse 18, flee sexual immorality. In other words, run from it. When you see it, run from it. When you see the opportunity, we talked about that in session one. To have sexual immorality, run from it. When you see the opportunity to, to oh, she's looking good. She look, run from it. Flee from it. Get away from it. Every sin that a man does outside the body is outside the body. But he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. How do you sin against your own body? Because you've created a false marriage and you've sinned against yourself and you've now opened yourself up to spirits, to the demonic world. You open yourself up. This is more than just 15 minutes of passion or whatever. This is more than that. You're opening yourself up to a spirit realm. You're opening yourself up to familiar spirits. Whatever is in that man before you get married and you have sex with him. Ladies, you are letting that come into you, not just physically, but spiritually and soullessly and vice versa. Whatever is in that woman is being connected and all those kinds of things. And so that is the reason why many people sometimes uh, they, 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 they don't know what it is that they desire in a mate because they've been married so many times that they don't really know what it is that they desire. Again, I'm talking about a false spiritual marriage created by sex before marriage. And verse 19, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God. So 
In other words, he's just saying we've been bought with a price, and you've got to understand that and walk that way. Anyone that will not be with you because you will not have sex with them before a marriage covenant, that is a red flag of somebody you need to run from. You need to run. In fact, change your phone number, change your email address. You may want to move. Listen, you do not want to be connected to those kinds of people because when you do that, that is the enemy trying to gain access to create a false spiritual marriage. And you do not uh, want to do that. You do not want to do that. Um, now, let's take a look. Now that we understand that, how do if I've created false spiritual marriages, how do I get delivered from that? Well, it's very simple. The same way we get delivered from anything. The same way you get saved is the same way anything in the Christian life happens. How do we get saved? Romans 10 tells us that if we believe in our heart, we confess with our mouth, and then we receive it. Believe, confess, receive. Uh, and also, really, you can really reverse that order because if you believe it, you'll confess it. But if whatever you confess, you'll believe. Now, through that, it is the ex- exact same way that we receive anything. And so you need to say this and be serious about this, Lord. Whatever false spiritual marriages I've created, whatever soul ties I've created, whatever inappropriate relationships I've created because of sex, deliver me from those. And deliver me from the power that those have. Deliver me from the thoughts that those have. That's why you could have been with someone two years ago and you still having dreams about them. Why? And they moved on. Matter of fact, they married. Why? Because that's what it needs to happen. And I want both of you listening right now to pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord, I come to you asking for forgiveness of my sin. Whatever things that I've created through sex, be it a soul tie be it a spirit tie, be it a physical body tie, anything I've created, any false marriage I've created, Father, I ask that you break the power of it and redeem me from it. Father, I recommit myself as a spiritual virgin unto you. Until my marriage, I am dedicated to you. My body belongs to you. It is not my own. It belongs to you. I will not join my members with members of a harlot, with members of something that's not from you. Wash me in your blood. Make me brand new. I am a renewed spiritual virgin. So I am ready to enter into a marriage covenant because I'm not married now. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So that's how you get delivered from it. It's just that simple. Anything in the Christian life, that's how we do it. When you get saved, you're going to get a fact saying you're saved. You don't get a certificate of salvation, but you confess it, you believe it, and then you receive it, and you believe that now I'm saved. That's the same way you get delivered from things, particularly things like this, is you have to pray and you have to believe, and then you have to run from that behavior. That's why it says flee sexual immorality. Let's flip over back to Genesis chapter number three now. Genesis chapter three. Amen. Now, in Genesis 3, let's talk about knowing your other half. Um, when uh, Notice that it says knowing your other half. When you are in a marriage, there's two halves now. One, one whole, two halves. And each half, though, has to be giving 100%. People say, well, marriage is 50-50. That ain't true. Marriage is 100-100. There's one whole. And each one of those halves that make that whole have to be giving 100%. Did you get that? There's one whole, and, 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 and in that one whole, there's two halves. But each one of those halves has to be giving 100% in order to make the whole work. Do you get that? 
And that's why many marriages fail because, well, I gave 50, she gave 50. Well, guess what? That's not 100. 100 and 100 is is, is what's going to produce 100 in your relationship. Amen? Uh, Genesis 3 and 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, as God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden. Now, the, the first thing we got to look is that there's several things that are out of order here. There is a serpent talking to a woman. Now, what Adam should have done, did, because the Bible will read later, Adam was right there. Adam should have stopped and said, wait a minute, um, what are you doing talking to a serpent? Um, stop talking to my wife. And that's important for men to understand as you're dating someone and you're preparing for marriage that you have got to be the watchman. You have got to be the guard. You've got to be looking out. Uh, if your woman is talking to a snake and you allow her to talk to the snake, um, then 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 you a weak man. And you maybe you ain't ready to be married because he who finds a wife finds a good thing gets favor. Maybe you're not ready for that level of favor in your life. He says, um, to the woman, and as he said, uh, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in that day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant for the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit, and ate. She also gave to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Now, I want I want us to just examine what we've just seen happen here. A woman's talking to a serpent, and as she's talking to that serpent, and as she's uh, listening to that serpent, um, what is happening is the serpent is not questioning what God told her. Watch this. The serpent is questioning what her husband told her. Why? When the Lord said, you shall not eat from that tree, Eve had not been created yet. Eve was created now in verse number 21, 22 of chapter 2. The Lord gave the command not to eat from those trees or from that tree in chapter 2, verse number 15, 16, 17. So what's happening? What did the enemy do? The very first thing the enemy did was he tried to bring separation in the marriage. And you've got to understand that that's the first thing that will happen in a marriage situation is the enemy will bring separation. He will try to get the woman, to, or the wife rather, to question the husband. And he will try to get the husband to question the wife so that they're so busy questioning each other that they don't realize they've been deceived by the devil. That's what he's going to try to do. We have to assume that... Eve knew about that by her husband. Of course, no one else was there. The animals weren't talking to Well, not that we know. No, the animals were talking to her. There were no other people created except Adam. And if she wasn't there when God gave that command, we have to make an assumption there in Scripture. She just didn't know through osmosis. We have to make an assumption there in Scripture that, she, that Adam told her. And so what the enemy is doing is he's getting them to question one another. And that is a dangerous thing in a relationship. Now, skip on down to verse number uh, verse number seven. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves coverings. Here's the problem that happened, is that the enemy tempted her with something she already had. The Bible teaches us that we were already created in God's image and God's likeness. We, we already had that. 
So the enemy tempts her something with something she already had. But watch this outside of the confines of God's order. Adam was out of order because he didn't stop her from speaking to the serpent. But then she was out of order because she didn't follow what she knew to be already true, what she knew that she had already heard. Now, through that, we find that she was tempted to be something she already had, but to do it outside of God's confines. Um, uh, understand this, that God created them to be naked. He created them to be transparent. He created them not to have any secrets. And that is one of the most dangerous things in a relationship is secrets. Secrets will, will mess a relationship up. Because if you say I'm one flesh or I'm becoming one flesh with the person, yet I've got fig leaves hiding things about my life that they don't know because I don't feel comfortable telling them, then you need to wait. It ain't time for y'all to get married. You need to spend some more time until you feel comfortable being totally transparent with one another and you can't wait until after the marriage to be fully transparent if you say this is someone that i believe i could be married to you've got to be transparent now because if they can't take the real you now baby i'm here to tell you they can't take the real you afterwards the marriage because then they're going to say, well, why didn't you tell me this before we got married? It would have changed my decision. If I didn't know, and I hear people say this all the time, had I known what I know now, I never would have got married. Well, why? Because two people were putting up fig leaves before they got married, and then somehow they thought that those secrets were not going to come out during the marriage. Whatever we do in the dark eventually will come to some form of light. Now, that doesn't mean that God will expose you. What it does mean, though, is that you can't keep secrets from your spouse and you can't keep secrets for someone you say, I'm planning on getting married. You're listening to these CDs because you're either married or you're planning on getting married or you're single and you want to know how to, you can be proactive about getting married. And so as that, you cannot be keeping secrets. Secrets will mess you up. And look at what they did. And the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked. And then they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So now what they did is now they said, well, I got to hide from you. But they were supposed to be naked before one another. Well, you can't see me. You don't look at me like that. Don't look at me. And they start creating all these fig leaves. And that's why marriages today, 50% of them are resulting in divorce. Because you got two people with fig leaves and not two people that are naked with one another. If you're naked with one another, then... You don't allow the enemy any room to come and to hide because you can see everything. I'm an open book. And that's how you got to be in your relationship. I'm an open book. Whatever you want to know, here it is. Because if I keep secrets from you now, I will do it later on and it will destroy our marriage later on. Um, now, what these fig leaves are, these fig leaves were walls of protection. They were protection. Uh, they uh, think of it in, in modern terms that that sometimes if you're in a previous relationship, you get hurt and you go through some bad times and you get hurt. And maybe you've been cheated on before. Maybe you've been lied to before. Maybe you've been in a divorce before. And so you get hurt. And so now you enter into a new relationship with all these fig leaves of walls of protection. I'm going to protect myself from you and I'm going to protect myself so that even God watch this because. They not only protected themselves from one another, but they were trying to keep something from God. They were trying to hide something from God. And we've got to learn that if we're going to move and have a successful marriage, we've got to be transparent with one another and transparent with God. There's nothing you can hide from God. God knows everything. He knows your thoughts. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you were thinking last night. He knows what you're thinking right now. 
And there's nothing we can hide from him. And those walls of protection sometimes can hurt us because it's baggage that we're bringing from one relationship. Now, let me say this. It is wise, again, as I mentioned in session one, to learn from the things from past relationships and failed relationships. Quite honestly, I don't think there's such thing as a failure for a Christian. I just think it's a learning experience. Christians can't fail. You know why? Because Jesus can't fail. And Jesus lives on the inside of us. And if he can't fail, then I can't fail. It just means that I have to go through some learning experiences, but it doesn't mean that I'm a failure. Amen. So it is okay that you learn from <clears throat> your past mistakes um, and you, you learn from those relationships. So you, you, you realize that, okay, I maybe made some bad choices here. Let me not make those bad choices. But fig leaves are walls of protection that we think we need. That we don't really need. And here's the deal. If you need it in a relationship, if you have to wear fig leaves in a dating relationship, meaning that, well, I don't know how he's going to respond if I tell him that. I don't want to tell him this. Then that's something that you really want to question whether or not that relationship is really a relationship that is going to last. And we're going to talk about that uh, here in a moment about love and and if your relationship is built on love god is love so if you build a relationship on love then that's god but we need to understand what god really is what love really is we need to understand that now uh with that um you, you verse number eight and they heard the sound of the lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the lord god among the trees of the garden then the lord said where are you so he said, I heard your voice and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you hidden from the tree of which I commanded that you should not eat? Look at this. Um, we've got to understand, again, we can't hide from God. And in a relationship and in knowing your other half, it's crucial, very crucial that you know everything that there is to know about them now certainly there will be certain things you don't know you know you may not know that their pinky toe you know is double jointed or you know what i'm saying there's certain things that you know aren't pressing issues but there's certainly pressing issues that i find most times couples don't even talk about they just well we have a good time every time we go somewhere and we really love each other and we love being together and, and they think that that's all it takes and it takes more than that because you're talking about, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you. And so you need to know how uh, to be able to do that. So let's look at what happens. God says to him, what's going on? Now look at verse 12. The first thing Adam does is he blames the woman. He blames somebody for why he is the way he is. And men, as you are entering into a relationship, you cannot be blaming other people for the way you are. Well, I am not faithful to, to you because... Uh, you know, my daddy wasn't faithful to my mama. No, you are the way you are because that's what you want to do. You've got the power to change those things. Even if it is a generational curse, guess what? If you're in Christ Jesus, it's a new creation. You've got the blessing which overrides that curse. So look what he does. He blames it's that woman you gave me to be with. She gave me of the tree and I ate. Watch this. What does that say to me? That says to me that sometimes men have low self-esteem more than women. Because the man, as opposed to taking responsibility and saying, Lord, you know what? You gave me, remember, that garden to tend the garden. I'm in charge of the garden. I'm in charge of the family. You gave that to me. But instead of me dealing with it and handling my responsibility, let me shift it over to the woman. Let me shift it over to her and let me just blame it on her. So then that way I don't have to take that responsibility. So what is that? That's low self-esteem. 
And you know what the root of low self-esteem is? I'm going to tell you. For a Christian, the root of low self-esteem is actually pride. Oh, what are you saying, Bishop? Low self-esteem? No, it's the exact opposite. Watch this. If we don't understand that Jesus Christ has come into our lives and made us brand new and created us, he's not made a mistake with you. You are beautiful. You are intelligent. You are, um, you know, all of that in a bag of chips. You are all of that. Uh, uh, you know, low-fat chips. Got to stay away from that. Them, them was trans fats. But uh, uh, you are all of that. If we understand that, then we wouldn't tell God, well, God, I, I, you know, I, I feel bad about myself. I, I feel low about myself. That's pride because we think that God's sacrifice was good enough for everybody but us. When we walk in low self-esteem and men and women, that's being prideful because we're saying, God, your sacrifice was good for everybody but me. You've got to know that if you're getting married so that you can feel whole, then that is the wrong reason to get married. If you're getting married so that you can, uh, you know, you think that my low self-esteem will go away if I'm married to somebody. I'm here to tell you it won't. Two incomplete people trying to complete one another is not going to happen. Uh, a third of a person plus a half of another person doesn't equal a whole. And so we've got to understand that. If you're not whole within who you are now, don't even worry about trying to know uh, somebody else and know your other half. You need to just know yourself. You need to know you. And that's what I find a lot of times people stand at that altar to give to, to commit their marriage to the Lord. And you got two incomplete people standing there. So parts of them got married, but certain parts of them did not get married. Why? Because they did not take time to be whole. Had they, they would have known that had they sat down and taken time. Just like you're doing to get counsel and some questions that we're going to ask at the end of the session so that you can make sure you create a dialogue. The whole purpose is you're listening to these CDs, but once you listen to the CD, that you are creating a dialogue with one another. I, that's why I'm doing it in a counseling format and not in a message format because it's important that you understand that you got to talk about this stuff. Whatever you don't talk about, you are willing to live with. Uh, and so you need to, to understand that. All right. Um, so know that marriage is not the way. It's not the cure to low self-esteem. It is not the cure to feeling better about yourself. It is not the cure to being happy. The best marriages are two people that come together and they complement each other well. Remember, we talked about compliment, not 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 uh, not. Um, are competitive with one another, but they complement one another. That's the best kind of a marriage, meaning that I enjoy their company. I enjoy being around them. I enjoy seeing them. I miss them when I'm not around them. I miss talking to them. We can stay up all night and talk. We don't We don't have to always get physical because can I tell you, there's a greater level of intimacy than physical intimacy. If you think that, oh, yeah, we had sex and so oh, praise the Lord, that's great. You know, all, uh, even in a marriage and, and a woman will tell you this and, and men that are mature will tell you this, that there is a greater level of intimacy than even sex. And that is the intimacy of our souls intertwining. Now, that's deep. What that means is that I'm 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 having intercourse with you, but it is intellectual intercourse. It is intellectual connection. See. There's nothing greater than being able to talk to someone and know that we're working together in unison. We're working together in harmony. We've got a rhythm going. We're moving together. And and she thinks and we're thinking along the same lines and we're moving the same direction and we're thinking the same thing. And God is interacting with us and we're coming together. That, my friends, that is a greater level of intimacy even than sexual intercourse.
because that that it's connecting at a level and of course all of our emotions are derived from our what our emotions our nerves and that comes from the what part of us our souls amen now through that uh, of course we know that in a relationship women i've said this to you before are normally driven by things that are more emotional things that are more based on feeling generally speaking while men typically are driven more about us black and white and and let me say this in a relationship we'll talk about this more through some of the sessions in the relationship it's important that there is a healthy communication once you get married about sex sometimes couples don't communicate about sex and they get married and they have it on that 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 wedding night and then all of a sudden, they don't talk about sex anymore. Well, you know, well, it's been a couple of months and this kind of deal. Men need sex. Women need intimacy. Did you hear that? Men need sex. Women need intimacy. And there's the difference. So a woman is not only going to be gratified by sex, but a woman's also going to be gratified by by soulless intimacy. Remember, that's that's the mind, thought, will, and emotion. She's going to be gratified by you telling her things, by you encouraging her, by you letting her know you're beautiful, by you letting her know you look good. Oh, baby, I'm, you're the best woman out there. By those kinds of things. By you being interested in what she's interested in. Uh, that's important. Uh, and so women need intimacy, while generally speaking, men need sex. But again, uh, it, it, there's got to be a balance. Does that make some sense, man? You can't say, well, baby, I told you you look nice today. Can I have some sex? No, that's not how that's got to work in a marriage situation, all right? There's got to be balance there. There's got to be communication. And communication is the key to understanding and having a good relationship. And, of course, this session is about knowing the other half. So if you're going to know that other half, you've got to communicate effectively with them failing to communicate is not an option failing to communicate means you're willing to fail to succeed that means you're willing to give up success in a thing most times marriages fail because two parties are not communicating with one another someone says something that's hurtful the other one doesn't communicate it about it and so now they get bitter now they get angry now they're talking about i want a divorce all because you didn't communicate open your mouth and learn how to communicate. And maybe you say, well, I'm not a talker. I don't like talking. Well, then you need to learn how to talk. You need to spend some time talking. You need to spend some time learning how to open yourself up and learning how to express your emotions. You know what? Only crazy people don't know how to express their emotions. Only crazy people punch walls uh, because they don't know how to express their emotions. You're not crazy. You're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Maybe you used to be, but that's not you anymore. You need to learn how to express your emotions. And the way you express your emotions is through communication. See, if you give your, your, the person you're dating, if you give them the silent treatment to let them know you, you're mad, then that is witchcraft. That is rebellion. You are trying to manipulate that person. As opposed to just, or excuse me, what you need to do is to say to them, you know what, when you said this to me, that was hurtful to me. And communicate about it. And if you communicate with someone and say, you know what, this action that you do, this harms me, this hurts me. And they're not willing to change. uh, And it's a big issue for you. And they're not willing to change. Then that's probably someone that you don't want to invest into the future of that relationship. If I come to you and say, you know what, when you uh, when you do this, this hurts me. It really, it really, really, really hurts me. And, and you know, it's, uh, you know, I, if it wasn't a big issue, I wouldn't have brought it to you. But it really hurts me. And they say, well, I don't care. That's just the way I am. And you're going to have to like it or leave it. Okay, well, then leave it. Because if a person is not willing to accommodate 
things that are big for you. Now, if you're just talking about, well, baby, I really, you know, when when you when when you use vinegar on your catfish dinner, it really stinks, and I that bothers me. Well, you just need to get over that. There's some things that you just need to get over. There's mediocre things that you just need to get over. There's certain stuff. Well, you know, when you put on that old spice, I don't really like that old spice. And, you know, that really offends me. Well, you need to get over that. That's nothing big. And sometimes we make we make we make mountains out of molehills and then we take the things that are really serious and we make those we diminish those their value. And that's not what you want to do. Does that make some sense? Adam, there in verse number 13. Or, or verse number 12, he blames the woman. And again, we talked about that low self-esteem. Man, you've got to understand, you bear the responsibility in a relationship. It is not up to the woman to lead you. Matter of fact, if the woman is leading you, you have a recipe for disaster. In a wife-husband situation, a wife should never have precedence or dominion over her husband. It, it is in the scriptures. I don't have time to go there right now because that's not the focus of this session. But it is there in Corinthians. It is there in the books of Timothy. Uh, a wife. Now, some definitions say a woman. I never permit a woman to have authority over a man. Specifically there, uh, Paul is really dealing with a wife having authority over the husband. Does that make some sense? And so I want to encourage you there. Um, you men have got to take their rightful leadership place. They are the head of the household. They are the priests of the household. It's important that they do that. While he's the king, he's also got to understand she's the queen. And they've got to understand they've got to communicate. They've got to talk. Sit down and talk. I encourage couples that they need to set up a time where they can sit down and they can talk about all the issues that are going on in their relationship. Not in the heat of an argument. If you only talk about stuff that's bothering you once an argument comes, you are a bottler. In other words, you bottle all your stuff in and then it pops out once the carbonation gets too much, once that pressure gets too much. You That is a recipe for disaster in a relationship. You've got to be willing to communicate and set aside a time. Maybe it needs to be a Friday night date night where you all go out, you enjoy, you have a good time, you enjoy one another's company. And maybe after that you discuss, you know, well, sweetie, let's talk, baby, let's talk about what's going on. Let's talk about what's, let's talk about some of these things, you know, that maybe, you know, that, that are bothering me that weren't big things, but, you know, but, but that, let's talk about it. If you don't communicate, that means you are willing to succeed. All right. Now, look at verse 13. Now, the Lord God says to the woman, what is this you have done? Then look what the woman does. Then the woman blames the devil. Now, I, I want to bring out another point here that I share a lot uh, with the wives of those pastors, ministers, and elders uh, around the world. And this is a concept I share with them, and I'm going to share it with you now. Women have the ability to see the devil operating. Women have the ability to step back and say, wait a minute, I see what's going on here. And I can see that it's the devil. I, uh, a woman can see that it's the spirit. Notice the man blamed the woman. But who was really behind it? It really wasn't the woman that was behind it. It was what? The serpent. It was the devil. And so the man blamed a person. But the woman saw the devil. And so what I want you to see in that is that in a dating relationship, men, generally speaking, will be more geared at the practical things. Well, look at this. Well, this you did this. You did that. They did this. And a woman will say, wait a minute. It's because we got to get this spirit out of our house. We got to get the spirit of division out of our house. We got to get the spirit of sickness or whatever it is. We got to get that out of our house. This is the devil.
and 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 a woman has that innate ability and as you're dating you need to understand that and that's again generally speaking that i'm saying these things um it doesn't mean that men can't see the devil or men don't see demonic activity or don't see spiritual things going on it just means that generally speaking a man is quick to 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 or more apt rather to say the problems that's going on, it is the result of a person. And the, and a woman is more apt to say, well, what's going on is a result of something spiritual that we need to take dominion over. Amen. So she blames the serpent. She blames the devil. She saw the devil at work in this. And then, of course, we look and we see what's going on. And you can read the rest of the scriptures. They, they have some curses and those kinds of things that come forth. Now, I want you to understand and I want you to see from that story there that they did not communicate well the very first marriage did not communicate well they should have been talking Adam should have been talking to his wife and they should have been interacting with one another so she didn't even have time to talk to the snake let me say to you if you don't spend time with your spouse or with the person you're dating somebody will somebody will get in that ear and sometimes it's not another person. Sometimes it's just the devil. He'll get in that ear and he'll start slithering. He's a serpent. So he slithers. He whispers into the ear. Well, if they really loved you, they wouldn't be working today. If they really loved you, they would have took off today. If they really wanted to be. So he'll start slithering and saying things in your ear that can mess up your relationship. So you've got to communicate with one another. That's why we talked about in session one about the power of praying together. You got to do those things, especially while you're dating. If you don't communicate well before you get married, then what makes you think on God's green earth that you're going to communicate well after you get married? Hello, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Whatever you permit and do before the marriage is simply going to be magnified after the marriage. That's why you want to start and build from the right foundation. So maybe some of you are listening and saying, wow, we got a lot of work to do in our relationship. Guess what? God can help you to get you through it. God is the source of all of those kinds of things. Amen. Now, I want us to um, flip back over to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter number 7. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 7. I want us to flip uh, back over there. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And uh, you can just go there in verse number 1, and, and I'll get to that in just a moment. But in knowing your other half, here's some questions I want you to ask. Number 1. You need to know what that other person likes. It's amazing. I'll talk to husbands. And I'll say, what's your wife's favorite color? Um, You know, uh, pink. You know, because it's just a good default. And you talk to the wife and she'll say, no, it's royal blue. The man never knew. You need to know what each other likes. What are your favorite foods? What are your favorite restaurants? What don't you like? Watch this. What habits don't you like that I have? What don't you like that I do? What do you like that I do? You need to know those kinds of things about one another and sit down and write it down. Make a list. Sometimes people are so scared to write like paper and pen is a bad thing. You need to write things down and make a list. Well, you know what, sweetie? I, I, I love when you do this. And I'm using sweetie and baby and those kind of things so that you, you, you get what I'm saying. You know what? I love when you tell me that I'm beautiful. Okay, great. Um, and, and now the man says to her, you know, I love when you tell me I look strong. I love when you tell me I look like, you know, Denzel or, you know, whoever, whatever it is. You need to know those things and write those things down. Watch this. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. If you hear it and see something, Habakkuk 2, see it, write it, make it plain. 
And sometimes we, we only make those scriptures applicable to, to certain things, but those scriptures work in every area of our life. You need to hear what it is that they need, and then you need to see because you wrote down what it is that they need. Because sometimes in the course of a relationship, you'll forget. And sometimes you may, oh, yeah, I forgot we talked about that. So if you write it down and you say, I'm committed to making this marriage work, you need to have almost a journal for your spouse to where you say, you know what? These are the things that um, that uh, I know my spouse likes and desires and this, that and the other. And I got a list. I got a book. I know what they want because they told me sometimes people want to be mysterious and women. Well, I want him to send me roses. Well, have you ever told him that? Well, no, he should just know. Well, how should he just know? There is no book. That gives any kind of, uh, of of examples of, you know, when you're dating, this is what women like. Because every woman doesn't like that. Some women love flowers and roses and some women don't. Some people, some women hate them. They'd much rather you buy them a screwdriver or, you know, or, or a wrench or something. So women and men have got to communicate about the things that you like in a relationship. And you need to do that while you're dating. And you need to say, are these needs that you have, are these needs that I can meet? Because if these are needs that I can't meet, it doesn't mean we're not supposed to be together. It just means that we need to take some more time. Sometimes people compromise on things that are big. If he can't be honest with you, then that's not something you compromise on. That's huge. That's a big thing. Relationships are built on trust. Amen? Now, from that, uh, the next thing you need to look at is the pros and cons of the individual that you're dating. Pros and cons. They need to know up front that there are certain things that, that you don't particularly like about what they do and, and vice versa. Now, you can't wear your emotion and your heart on your sleeve as you're doing these activities because this is real life. This isn't high school. We're not high school dating. And maybe you are a couple that's in high school dating that's listening to this because this, of course, is going around the world. Maybe you are a high school student that's listening to this. Well, listen, you can't be playing high school games. You know, I remember when I was coming up, you, know, you just had a little thing where, you you know, you'd write the note to the girl. And you say, you know, do you want to go out with me? You know, and you have three check boxes, you know, yes, no, and maybe and all of that. Well, this isn't that. This is real life. And if you don't take this relationship and getting married seriously and premarital counseling seriously, you will enter into it lightly and you'll make a mistake. And then you'll be, oh, Lord, I know. I don't know why I didn't listen. I got married and, I, you know, and all of that. You don't have to make mistakes. Thank God that when we do get ourselves in bad situations, God gets us out. But how about this? How about let's just follow the word up front so we don't make mistakes? Communication is key. You need to know the pros and cons and discuss those with one another so that you know. Sometimes the things that you don't like about somebody uh, will be things that they'll easily change. They just didn't know that you didn't like them. You know, I have a horrible thing. I hate uh, smacking. I, you know, smacking, you know, if you're eating your food and you're, you know, you're chomping on your food. I absolutely despise that. You know, something else I despise is walking slow. I hate if I'm in a mall or if I'm doing something, I know where I want to go. And this is how a lot of men are. They know where they want to go and they all that walking slow and looking around. Generally speaking, that's not most men. So what you got to do is talk about those things so that the other partner and the other party knows. Amen. Now, the next question is, what are you willing to change? From those things, from what do you like and what the what don't you like and the pros and cons between one another? What are those things are you willing to change? You've got to be able to say, I'm willing to do that. I can't do that. I'll work on that. You've got to be able to say that and put them in those three categories. One, I'm willing to do that. Two, I can't do that. Three, I'll work on that. 
Okay? And then you got to communicate about that. All right? Next thing is you need to ask yourself, to know your other half, what secrets have you been keeping from one another? Or are there secrets that you have been keeping from one another? All right? That's important. Remember, secrets, those are those fig leaves. And so don't be ashamed to tell them. If you grew up, you know, in, in, in a rough part of town, well, you shouldn't be ashamed to tell that to a person that you're saying, I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. What are you going to do, lie for the rest of your life? No. So you need to be open about those secrets. If there are secrets that are going on in your life, you need to be open about those secrets. All right? Connected to that question is, have you been totally transparent? Have you been totally transparent? You know what? People have learned how to be professional people. <laughs> Watch this. People have learned how to be professionals at being professionals. In other words, people know all the right things to say. People, even in church, they've got professional Christians now. They know all the Christian stuff to say. How you doing? Oh, I'm blessed and empowered and, and empowered to prosper. I'm blessed and highly favored and empowered to prosper. And we got all these, these, uh, these cliches and all these things down. And the question is, in your relationship, have you been totally transparent or have there been pieces of you that you've been holding back and you've not been honest about and you've not been straightforward about? That is a very critical question in a relationship. You've got to be transparent. Got to be transparent. Next question in knowing your other half, can you be yourself around them? Or do you feel like you have to put on a facade here's a good test here's a good test um you, if the person that's around you is afraid to reveal a part of their body to you that's a red flag for example now i'm not again i'm talking about pre-marriage now i'm not talking about doing right now i'm talking about pre-marriage pre-marriage if a person's scared to show you their feet because they're afraid of what you're going to say that means they got figs leaves up they're ashamed of their feet but you can't be ashamed of something that you say is me. See, when you get married, you're saying, you're saying, husband, you're saying, I am my wife. And wife, you're saying, I am my husband and we are one. And so the wife's feet belong to the husband and the husband's feet belong to the man. They belong to one another. And through that, can you be yourself? Can you be yourself? Do you feel like you have to walk around eggshells when you're around them? If you do, that's a red flag. That's a red flag. You want to look out for that. All right. Next thing. And, and, and here's a good a good thing that's very important. Have you all discussed your past in detail? In detail. Some people will say, well, you know, how many people have you dated? Oh, I dated two people. Both of the relationships didn't last. Yeah, but now we're dating. So let's move on. If you do not discuss your past, including the hurt, the pain, relationship, family pain, family hurts, if you don't discuss those things, you will not know whether or not someone's fully healed from those things. See, if you can talk about your past and not shed any emotion from it, now watch this, because some people think, well, if I don't talk about it, then I'm healed from it. That's not true. See, if you talk about your past and you get angry again or you get emotional again or you get stoic again, uh, uh, and really what I mean to say there is you get, you know, you're indifferent towards it. Well, you know, yeah, this is what happened, but I don't really care. My dad wasn't there for me. I don't really care. Those are things that you need to look out for. 
If a person talks about their past and they are still emotional about it, you want to look out for those things because that means they've not fully healed from those things. Have they fully healed from being cheated on in a previous relationship? Have they fully healed from being lied on in a previous relationship? That is a crucial, 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 crucial question. Because again, you do not want to find yourself uh, in a relationship that you've got all these fig leaves up. And if a person hasn't fully healed, again, you got to ask yourself the question, is this something that could be a problem for us in the future? See, if a woman hasn't fully healed from being cheated on in the past, that means she may be more apt to being suspicious of the activity of someone she's in a relationship with now. And so you've got to ask yourself those questions. Are these things that have not been fully healed from are these things going to become a problem? How do you know someone's fully healed from something? Great question. You know someone's fully healed from something when they can talk about it. And again, I just said this, and their emotions aren't raging. And again, just because they don't show emotion doesn't mean that they've healed from it. The question is, can they talk about it from a perspective of, I learned from that I grew from that. I become better from that. And I've forgiven the person that's hurt me. That's healing. Have I forgiven the person that's hurt me? And if I've forgiven them, then that means I won't hold you responsible for what someone else did because I've released it. It no longer matters. All right. Very last question. The knowing your other half. Do you really want to get married? Do you really want to do this? Do you really want to go through the process of changing your last name? Do you really want to go, if you're a woman, do you really want to go through the process of moving together? Do you really want to go through the process of having joint credit? Do you really want to go through the process of all those kinds of things? Because here's the deal. If the answer to that question is, well, you know, I really don't want to do it, then don't do it. Don't waste someone else's time. You may say, Bishop, what are you talking about? I thought you're supposed to be helping us. I am helping you because you want to know if you've got someone that when times get tough, they're going to cut and run. You want to know that up front. You don't want to wait until you get in a marriage and now you can put credit together. You've bought houses. You've bought cars. You've got children. And now you run into some trouble. And now all of a sudden they want to cut and run. You don't want to be in that kind of relationship. You want to know that now. And so the question is do you really want to do this? Do I really want to see this person every day? When I turn my hair, do I want to see this person every day? Again, I get told you in session one, uh, uh, this person, when their breath is stinking, am I still going to love them? When, 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 when things get a little different, do I really want to do this? Because if I don't really want to do this, then there's no sense in me wasting their time, and there's no sense in them wasting my time. Does that make some sense? There's no sense in doing that. Now, I had you turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and uh, I just want to go read one verse here, and uh, in some later sessions, we'll talk uh, some more about this. Chapter 7, and uh, I want to read this right here, uh, verse number uh, 1 and 2. Now, concerning the things of which you wrote me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Now, he's just saying in that term, uh, he's saying that it's good that they 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 keep themselves from immorality. Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. Again, you've got to understand, if you're going to get married to someone, that you all belong to one another. 
And in that, you've got to know that person. You've got to know if I'm having a bad day, are they going to be able to lift me up or are they going to beat me down? You need to know if I'm if I'm going through a tough time, are they going to be able to encourage me or are they going to beat me down? Because if they're going to beat me down, guess what? You can do bad all by yourself. You don't need any help to do that. And again, I want to really emphasize this because the statistics are staggering. If there is domestic violence or abuse going on in a relationship now, you need to get out of that relationship. It doesn't mean that you all aren't destined to be together, but that means that the party that's offending needs to get some help and they need to get some counseling from a professional. Just going down to the church and the altar and getting prayed for, that's good, but they also need, that's the spiritual side, but remember, we're tripart being. We are spirits that have souls that live in physical bodies. That means they need to go get that soul, that mind of theirs worked on from a professional. Do not stay in a relationship where there is abuse going on. Amen. That is going to conclude session two, knowing your other half. And again, the emphasis here is do you really want to do this? Now, once you complete and turn this CD off, I want you and your spouse to be uh, and the spouse you're considering marrying. And the spouse you believe that uh, God has called you to be with. I want you to discuss those questions with them. All those questions. So if you need to rewind, rewind. But I want you to discuss all those questions and be open and honest. Remember, do not wear your emotions on your sleeve. If you can't be honest with one another about everything, then that means you're willing to lose your relationship over one thing. Did you hear that? If you can't be honest and open over everything, that means the one thing you can't be honest about, you're willing to lose your relationship over. And if you really love this person, if you really believe that this is a person you want to be with, then it is important that you are 100% transparent with them. That will conclude session two, knowing your other half. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.